Hello, and welcome to Game Boys, our gay bi-weekly podcast, where we translate nerd culture, and let's be honest, we, we always, always have, have fun. fun. Get off me. It's very warm in the summertime. And we're using a different microphone. It's the same microphone. It's just not on a giant mount because I decided to get a standing desk, and now we're a lot closer because my setup needs to be aesthetic as fuck because that's just how I am. Closer than shoulder to shoulder. Yes. Whatever, dear. Anyways, how are you? How are you doing? I'm good. Just good? Yeah. Let's see. Uh, two weeks ago, I think I informed everyone that there was a a collectible card game entering a closed beta that there was still time to sign up for. Uh, yes, the one that I would be able to give out codes for if someone were to pass them along to me. Indeed. Uh, apologies to anyone who followed up on that lead as the game experienced undue server load and the beta had to be cancelled for uh, an indeterminate amount of time. But sources close to me say that it will eventually happen again someday. Yeah! Good times. I like how you are skirting this, and I... I do not want to get fired. (laughs) And yet... Okay, that's fine. That's fair. I'll leave it that. Yeah. So I guess if you would like to be involved, hit me up in the DMs, you know? I I gave some some hot deets with the... We can't involve you, but, you know, it'd be fun to talk about, maybe. Yeah, I might talk and... Maybe I'll let some binary slip out. Who knows? No, Let's that's get a little not hot. a thing. What are you talking? That is absolutely not a thing. Anyways, would you like to get into things that we have talked about as I can feel my body temperature rising? Uh, unless you want me to try and stall. We don't have much to talk about today. No, we don't. Because summer's boring. And it's... There's nothing going on. I mean, it's going to hit us all at once. Like, shows are going to start again. What we do in the shadows is coming out in like two weeks. I'm obsessed with 16, so that's going to happen probably next session because I'm piling straight through that game. Yeah, feast or famine. So uh, unfortunately, right now we're in a bit of a drought, but let's get to what we've done. And I have done something that has awakened a slumbering giant that is known as the Lock Tomb fandom of my friend group. And... Oh god, do I know a lot of friends that have really liked this franchise and are so psyched that I'm finally finished with their first book of Gideon the Ninth. A trilogy? A trilogy currently. I think that they expanded to a fourth book, but I do not know. At the moment, I know that the second book, which I'm currently reading, is Harrow the Ninth, and then I believe the third book is Nona the Fifth. These sound like the name of cats from Cats. If you, you know, squint your eyes a tiny bit, they might also appear on stage. They might have been in the crowd at the beginning of the show, but then they showed up on stage. Neat. But Gideon the Ninth, and basically, I'm going to say what everyone says about Gideon the Ninth. It is lesbian necromancers in space. Oh, I didn't realize it was a spacefaring story. That's excellent. Yes, and that is what everyone says when they want you to get in the door, but There's so much more once you get through that fucking door. This franchise is secretly three YA novels in a trench coat. (laughs) Okay. And also is, as soon as it unleashes the YA novelness of itself and opens up the trench coat, 
It has nothing but early 2000s memes inside of the trench coat. This sounds like Ready Player One, but 20 years later now. Is it? Is it that much meme focus? No, it, it, the memes are woven into the text, which is kind of amazing. Huh. I was alerted to a Charlie the Unicorn meme oh that was referenced, goodness. and wow. it went right over my head. Oh, no. At this point, I cannot recommend Charlie the Unicorn. Like, where that story goes is not worth looking into. Maybe watch the first one. It's sure. not... It's. I mean, like, you literally just need to watch the first one. Yeah. And that is all. Yeah. <laughs> but that that is, like, the layer of... If you look for it, you can see it. But if not, it's it's well hidden enough that it does not detract from it. But yes, this this story is pretty fucking amazing, honestly. So what is the story other than lesbian space, necromancers in space? So Gideon is our protagonist of this book, given the, the name of the book. And she is one of the denizens of the Ninth House, which is one of the more... They like, they do bones, motherfucker, as I will say it. And she is brought on by her necromancer of the house, Harrowhark, who is going to be going to the first house to basically perform these acts amongst other house members to become the next lictor, which is going to be basically the right hand of God, the emperor. Okay. These houses are... Bloodlines? Yes and no. Oh my god. Okay, this sounds yes. like a lot. Yeah, I would say they're blood. There are bloodlines. Okay. All right. But every single house has like their own planet and their own system, their own quirk around necromancy that makes them tick. And Gideon is brought on as the cavalier, who is basically the the bodyguard, kind of, of the necromancer. And the position of Cavalier is critical to this because they become more or less like the martial defender of the Necromancer. And every single house has one. It's required by basically the traditions of the Empire, basically. And they all come together to basically perform this Trials of the Lictorhood. And whoever gets to the end of it becomes the next Lictor. And... Backstabbing galore with politics thrown about, and it's fucking great. Okay. <laughs> That's all I could say about it, because it, again, three YA novels in a trench coat. Yeah, there were not a lot of male characters thrown around in what you just said, so... There, I, there are not many male characters. Interesting. Yeah, well, there are male characters. It's just, the story is really focusing on Gideon and Harrow, yeah. most, for the most part. They are our main protagonists. And I know I have mentioned lesbians in space, but yeah. the lesbian portion is so subtly subdued and so neatly woven into just, like, the story, like, with fluidity. And just, like, if you really care for it and it reaches out and it does speak to you, it's there. But it's not, like, something that is, like, core to the story. It is explicitly stated, though, right? None of this, they're roommates or some bullshit. Oh, no. Oh. Uh, I mean, like, well, <sighs> I'm not, well, not even saying that Gideon is interested in Harrow because they fucking hate each other. I actually would probably dare to say that my my comparison going into this book was Gideon and Harrow are basically Elphaba and Glinda. Oh, okay. I was but, thinking uh, Adora and Katra. But maybe, maybe. Okay. I don't know. I similar, <laughs> similar, but like, yes, if I cut out this spoiler, I'm sorry for the people that have been spoiled by uh, the end of 
a television show that's been out for a couple years now. Anyways, um, <laughs> so yeah, within the first chapter, Gideon literally mentions in an inner monologue about how she finds just the feminine figure very attractive. Oh, okay. So, like, we know out of the gate that Gideon is into the Goyles. Yeah. So, there are just... Ugh, there are some moments between Gideon and Harrow that, like, just are so well articulated and compassionate in a way. And that's, like, even teetering near ter- spoiler territory because I don't want to go too much into it. But, like, their dynamic is just so fucking perfect to every degree. And this book is a fucking pleasure, and I'm really considering going back into it after I finish the franchise, but then I've been reminded that I have been recommended another uh, queer sci-fi novel by Jess that is about uh, sentient mechs and their pilots. Oh my goodness. That is, uh, I guess the pilots are gay, or maybe the mechs are gay? I don't know who's gay in here, but Jess said that there is gay in it. The mechs are gendered? Do you know that much? I don't know. Okay. It looks pretty masculine on the, the cover art. I got a notification this week that I had a download from or a, a charge on my credit card that was like, oh, this book that you got. And I'm like, oh, I don't remember getting this book. But then I remember talking to Jess thinking it was a murder bot book because of the, the cover art. And I'm like, I'm excited to read the next murder bot one. And they were like, oh, that's not murder bot. That's just one I recommended to you and you just instinctively just pre-ordered it without me saying anything more than it's gay neck drama. And I'm like, I'm in. I, that sounds like you. That sounds like them. This all sounds very believable. Yes. So what's, what's the lesson here? If you tell me that anything mech robot oriented is involved with queer stories, I will absolutely put any money down for it. Don't abuse that. Thank you. Anyways, Gideon the ninth, read it. Um, I would say watch it, but there's nothing out there to watch other than very spoilery uh, videos that I have to avoid and only get curated content from friends that are in this locked tomb fandom circle that I'm now in. Um, It's a very nice little garden wall I'm inside of. Fair enough. Looking forward to hearing more. You certainly will, because I've already shoved an animatic in your face (laughs) and was like, look at how great this is. And I said, I have no context for who these people are or what's going on, but that's cute. (laughs) So yes, be prepared for more of that bullshit. Anyways, you did something. I I, I played this game actually about a month ago, and I played it to an ending... And it wasn't a good ending, unfortunately, Uh, but I did not take the time to go back and get like a good ending because it's not that sort of game. Uh, It is called Kaichu, as in Kaiju, but Chu to make it Japanese and cute. And it is a Kaiju dating simulator. And the premise of this game is you are a big, fluffy Godzilla monster. You are chubby and pink and adorable and you were allowed to pick your gender and pronouns out of the gate. And you basically just travel around the world destroying cities in dates with other kaijus. And as you're destroying cities, you get to know each other and talk about your interests and feelings. And at the end of the date, you either earn some uh, affection points or decide, yeah, you're just not super compatible with this particular kaiju. 
And uh, meanwhile, the world is getting destroyed. And between every level, uh, some news anchors discuss what's going on. And they're they're all in on it. They do so, not care that the world's getting destroyed. They just love gossiping about how cute you are. Oh, so this is literally just like the Real Housewives, like news anchors that are just like more interested in the actual progression of the relationship and rather the human casualties happening on the ground. Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. Now, eventually the government does get involved and <laughs> they send the military after you. After Congress has spent nine months debating whether they should kill the monsters or not. Yes, and <laughs> and they they create their own mech. Not to destroy you, but to... Oh god, what? <laughs> what? What is the word that I'm looking for? Like, to demoralize you by ruining your relationship. So they start asking all of these really tricky, like, gotcha questions of your relationship to prove that you don't really think they know, know who the other person is, and they don't know, they've had the wrong impression of you, that kind of thing. And here's where I screwed up and got the bad ending, because I could not defeat the relationship traps that this giant mecca was laying for us <laughs> and then your partner saw that you were not who they thought you were yeah. and then decided to destroy everything <laughs> even though you were going to clearly do that regardless <laughs> pretty much yeah so i would have had to start in a completely new like i had the option of continuing and, and just trying to romance other kaijus but i had already i wanted the giant halucha bird <laughs> And yeah, I could not make it work. And it was just like, nope, need to start a completely new save file and have not gone back to it since. So I've taken that as my cue to to say, yeah, I'm probably not going to get back to it at this point. So I'm just going to talk about what I thought about it. And it's like a three dollar game. It's not very high production values. You know, there's not a lot of voice acting. It's just an adorable, cute little half hour experience to to play out this incredibly queer, incredibly charming, sincere love story between giant monsters. It's, yeah, fantastic premise. Recommended on that alone for the price. So so clearly, the book I'm about to read, but not with <laughs> without the kaiju portion. Uh, yeah, more or less. For now. We don't know what the next books hold. I'm talking about the one that Jess recommended. To oh, me. oh, 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 yes. But... Also, I guess, space lesbian necromancers? Potentially. Well, if it goes there, I guess that'd be a little weird. But It'd be a yeah. little weird for that kind of game. Yeah, that's that's a little odd. Yeah, who knows? But yes. Yeah, wow. Um, so, what were the other options for dating-wise? Oh, I mean, they had all of your, your classic movie monsters. Sure. Like, it's been a month, I can't really remember. None of them surprised me that much. There was, like, a Hydra one, and... And they're all adorable. They're all chibied up and, and so cute. Yeah. Mm, that is perfect. Yep. And then the last thing we really had an opportunity to do, which for the most part I took a full dose of because I have no self-awareness of how terrible life is and how much I enjoy the terrible things in life and went through this hoping to comb through it and finding some kind of thing that you can enjoy. I watched... All of Black Mirror season six. And you watched one episode. I watched one episode because you assured me that it was a happy one. And it basically was. Yes. Oh, mm, mm. (laughs) Again, like all Black Mirror, the happy episodes always have a tinge of just like, 
Is it a happy ending, though? It's a very mixed bag. But you can get the reactions from myself and my friend that were watching it with you that there was other much worse ones that had much worse endings. Yeah, which I, you know, I've yet to watch one of those from Black Mirror, and I don't want to start now, I don't think. If there was one that was profound enough, maybe. There is one that's called Demon 76 that I might... Be like, this is a fun one, but also has a bit of a bad ending. But also, I think it's it's kind of has this commentary on, do you destroy Donald Trump or do you let the world burn? How is that a choice? <laughs> How is that a choice? I guess I need to watch it to find out. <laughs> yes. Sure. Um yeah, that one was very interesting. I, I That one reminded me a lot of the style and the tone of Good Omens, so maybe that would probably bring you some kind of solace. Oh, that's another one we have to look forward to this summer. Yes, hopefully. I am I'm still on the fence about Good Omens Season 2, because... Yeah. You know... I, I'll be honest, I was not, like, over the moon about the first season. It oh, was, I was. It was good. It was incredible especially as someone that read the book and loved the book mm-hmm. and then they improve the story by bringing more crowley and azuraphale into like, it the the vibe i got off of it was we're gonna try and do hitchhiker's guide but for religion instead of sci-fi and they just didn't have uh douglas adams's command of language or sense of humor yes but they did have neil gaiman they did have neil gaiman who Terry was project yeah yeah excellent I don't know. Unfortunately, season two does not have Terry Pratchett for reasons, obviously. Right. Um, But Neil Gaiman is returning to write and produce and do the things. But that also does not make me the most confident because I believe that he was also coming back to, you know, co-produce and co-write season two of American Gods. And we all know how that turned out. I don't blame him for that. True. Yeah. Star is really fuck that one up royally by just saying no showrunners of season one of one of the best new shows that's come out in a decade and the only best show we've ever had other than black flag which barely yeah (laughs) had recognition Mm. oh um i guess they had outlander doesn't ring a bell it was the one with the scots and time travel and yeah Mm. sounds interesting but it's must have missed it it's bloated, but yes. So, um, yeah, so we're going to just not give you a raise, even though you're asking for one. And then, of course, everyone is going to leave because you decided to fire the showrunners. Yep. Anyways. Anyways, Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Back to the focusing. So, season six is a lot. We have a, a slew of five new episodes um, I thought it was six originally, but then I realized when it started playing the one with Anthony Mackie and the video game stuff, I realized I had not seen season five and was backtracking. And I was like, oh, wait, no, this is not six episodes long. This is five. And between them, we have the first episode, which is Joanne is Awful, which is the one that I showed you. Which, would you like to inform us what the premise of that one is. I don't know where to... Okay, I think I know where to stop giving out the premise. A woman wakes up one day, goes about her day, 
works for a tech company, has to fire an employee. It gets really ugly. She's been receiving texts from her ex, and she's kind of in a stale relationship at the moment, so she gives in and, and goes on a date, and it goes just a little bit further than it should. And she comes home to be with her, her boyfriend and... Fiancé. Fiancé, yes. <laughs> when a... Uh, what? It's not Netflix, it's... Streamberry. Streamberry show premieres that is her life. With her being portrayed by Selma Hayek. And that that is the premise. You know, her life begins to unravel because suddenly all of her secrets are out. She loses her job over NDA issues. She loses her relationship over the infidelity, blah, blah, blah. And that sounds like a whole episode already, but that really is just the premise. Yeah, and that itself it was pretty insightful. I love the concept of it, like, going above and beyond saying that you know, this isn't Salma Hayek, this is an AI version of Salma Hayek, oh. that she shared her likeness. Yes. Yeah. And that the entire television show is just an AI computer-generated uh, thing, which we'll get to AI later. It's on a docket. That's kind of why I'm putting this in here. Yeah, I don't want to say too much more about the AI generation, because that actually does get into the, some of the stuff that was like a surprise and a shock to me in the episode. But I think, because that's the premise of, like the horribleness that's connected to our reality is that AI can get that bad. And we are seeing some beginningness of that um, right now. We are. Yes. And it does have a really good message buried in it that I don't think they ever quite unearth. Like they get really close to the idea of, Oh, well, if this happens to everyone, then it's just like nothing matters anymore. We're finally kind of free. And they just walk up to the line and don't really address it. Yeah, which yeah. is a little unfortunate, but that would have been something closer to a happy ending and Black Mirroring about that. No, and, you know, there's always more to it. And this story does have a lot more to it, but I also, like, there's a lot more fun to it. Especially, like, once you get to the back half of the episode, yeah. I think it just becomes incredibly fun. <laughs> yeah, just getting to see uh, Annie Murphy and... Salma Hayek. Just, Two people I would never imagine yeah, on screen together. They, they have fantastic chemistry. They go on a little adventure. It's great. And on top of that, like, Salma Hayek is basically just her 30 Rock character in this. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Uh, which, you know, was such a, re- a refreshing thing after seeing her in Internals when she was completely different. Yeah. But she, I mean, she was so good. I, I've liked she her was good. just about everything. But, but yeah. like, it was... It felt like she was kind of collecting a paycheck in it. Yes, very much. She so. could have done a lot more, but mm-hmm. I feel like they they made that character not around a whole lot for the fact that, oh, it's Selma Hayek. Yeah. So that's episode one. Episode two is called Lock Henry, and it's about a documentary series that goes terribly wrong and kind of has an, a, a talk about the recent uh, phase of society that's completely infatuated with these uh, crime dramas and these people that are just really itching for some more crime documentaries to like look into more and kind of like just obsess over. And this shows just like one of those really terrible horror stories of the creating of one of these documents. So it's not dealing so much with the social reaction to it. It's more about the production. The social reaction to it is kind of after. Towards the end, rather, and but it is mostly about the production and the creation of 
that story. Okay. Like, I would assume that this would sort of be a response to Dahmer in particular. I... Not really. Huh. Okay. Because... Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it... Dahmer is certainly part of it. I've not seen Dahmer, so I can't really confirm whether it's... And, you know, Netflix also created Dahmer, so it's like... Hmm. Are they going to, you know, hit themselves with that? But I guess they also kind of hit themselves with Streamberry and stuff like that. Yeah. Episode three, and I'm now forgetting things because mind is not working. Oh, God. So that one is about why can't I remember Breaking Bad and Westworld actor Jesse Pinkman. Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul is the star of one of these shorts that he is basically a long-distance astronaut that has a co-pilot and it's a two-man spaceship that they are on a four-year trip and they have a wireless tether to their home android duplicate that they are able to live out their life on Earth with. Oh. And things go awry when one of those androids just no longer is around and one of the astronauts has to basically live out his days alone on the space station. So Aaron Paul... Let's him occasionally use his Android duplicate to like go down to Earth and experience things and things go awry. <laughs> that sounds like a really sweet premise for something, but I, yeah. I guess I guess not. Well, it would be great if there weren't like other elements to it. But yeah, it's just one of those terrible dystopian sci-fi tragedies, so to speak. And now I am starting to forget the other one that isn't Demon 76, because Demon 76 is kind of about a... Have you ever imagined if uh, Boney M came to you and said, hey, you have 48 hours to murder three people or the apocalypse is going to happen? Is Are they playing Rasputin while yes. they ask? Oh, okay. I'm... <laughs> what? I'm very confused. Excellent. I think you might like that one. Okay, sure. Cool. It's a very different one. So, has nothing to do with technology, but has everything to do with politics and Trumpism, if you would. Okay. And maybe some more... It, it deals with a PM election eventually, so obviously more British politics, which, you know, I only keep like a light tap on the, on the pulse of that kind of stuff, but uh, for the most part, I'm just kind of like... Well, things are bad over there, and they're very transphobic, apparently. Apparently. Ugh. Yeah, so uh, that's that's fun. So yeah, I am actually forgetting the other fifth one at the moment, so that's fun and dandy. But for the most part, it's Black Mirror. You get what you expect. You come into the door, and you leave crying. Hmm. Very good. Not my thing, <laughs> but sure. I, I mean, I love the sci-fi-ness of it. I just wish it wouldn't depress me. I just remembered the episode. It was about werewolves. <laughs> Oh, of course. Yes. You you did tee this up for me. <laughs> yes, I did. But yes. So I'm not going to get into that one too much. Okay, fair. But anyways, we want to move on to our tabletop update. Would you like to inform the people about your werewolves? Uh, sure. Not a ton happened. Well, no. All of my players went on their, their own little side adventures. Mm -hmm. We had Romulus, who... Uh, the Players Pack recently took, not recently, took Owl on as a patron spirit for their pack. And one of my players has a tribal spirit of rat. And those two don't get along. So uh, he went to go sort of make amends with the other 
members of his tribe in the area. Uh, They're basically like relations are tense, but not boiling over at least. Um, What else happened? Uh, So we had, oh God, yes, this was the episode where everyone lied to each other for no goddamn reason. We love that. We love that. We love it when our, our pack is just infighting and mistrusting everything. So one of my players just has a side quest. They'll get some help on a lead to go uh, kill the current BBEG of the Ark. If somebody can find some paper that's more than 200 years old. One of my players has access to that already and just either forgot or didn't want to tell the player with the side quest for reasons I can't fathom. But regardless, they went to an old bookshop looking for this ancient paper, which they found easily enough. But that player that already had access to the paper got visited by an NPC that was like outside of the bookstore. Like, hey, come here. I want to talk to you. (laughs) By the way, people are going to start dying near you. Hi, I'm a spirit of death. Just wanted to let you know. (laughs) Uh, There's going to be a lot of death in your very near future. Your pack's probably fine. Probably no guarantees. But just just wanted to let you know. Uh, Because they've... (laughs) They've sort of been building this relationship uh, for reasons that are still mysterious to some of our listeners, some of my players, so I don't want to get into that yet. Don't say shit. Let them be worried. But both of the other players present saw this conversation going on, and yet the players still lied about anything. Not even like, oh yeah, he was asking directions, just nope, I didn't even see him, even though I pointed him out earlier and you all saw me talking to him. (laughs) But sure, just lie about it anyways, cool. You know, sometimes you guys make it so easy for us to stab you in the back when you lie to each other like this. Maybe, but like I said, there were many, many lies. Oh, Romulus, I guess, stole some power bars off of one of the players. (laughs) to give to the the other rat tribe members. Don't know why, (laughs) but then lied about that. Seemed very random (laughs) because yes, I thought at the end of the session they were dropping, were were they like dropping a bunch of like, I did this. And then the other person was like, I did that. And then Romulus was like, I stole the protein bars. I'm sorry. Yes. that, That is exactly what happened. Yes, it was it was wonderful. Right. So the player with the the old paper, uh, they found an old map buried in the basement of this bookstore. Mm-hmm. The player with that side quest goes off on his own at like 3 a.m. because he has an advantage where he doesn't need to sleep ever. Weird. <laughs> but there you go. I God, I would love that. And turns the quest in behind the other players backs, finds out the address of his parents killer in the process and doesn't tell the players. <laughs> One of my players, by the way, is a Philodox who gets a level one ability that is just, I roll my stats. If I get even one success, I know if you're lying automatically. Like, and they've, he's had it the entire campaign and basically just, yeah, he knows anybody lying to him just automatically. It has been frustrating as hell to deal with as a DM at times. And yet my players just keep throwing out these really obvious lies. Uh, And it all did finally get brought to a head as they just decided, nope, we're going to sit down. We're going to clear the air. We're going to come clean about everything, including one of the biggest secrets that has been throughout this entire campaign. 
that somebody has been in a hell dimension seeking atonement long before the events of the campaign. And that happens to be the Philodox who's been catching everyone in the lies. So for, <laughs> for them to come clean about this this big secret, oh man. But that was the uh, cliffhanger for the, the night, Him fin- them finally announcing this secret to the rest of the group. So I am so excited to see the fallout of that. I'm so excited to see my players being forced to stop lying to each other for a bit and maybe clear the air and maybe start to develop some more trust. Yeah, I I think I am going to really slow things down once they deal with this this current mini arc and just come up with little social events and fun games and hopefully steer them towards a little more positive interactions within the group. Is that because you've been playing another game? That's that- because <laughs> I've been playing another game, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that, but... Next, we'll talk about Hunter's Moon, the Hunter the Reckoning game. And basically, it was kind of a shopping episode. At least that's what we've been dubbing it, is the shopping episode. Eh, kind of, yeah. Like, we've done a solid for an NPC, well, not really, a guest star. And they're indebted to us, and very crafty in the literal sense. Uh, they've been... He. Help, he, he has been the player they... Their player, he, <laughs> has been helping us... Tabletop's great, guys. Yes. Making uh, all sorts of fun goodies. Uh, All of his inventions are on crazy rhyme scheme, like a fizzle whistle. Taser laser. Taser laser. Yeah, I can't remember, but they're they're all a delight. So, yeah, we just met up with him to get some, some new stuff. We all got some armor or weapons or artifacts, little accessory type deals. You've basically rewarded up your entire haven, so to speak. <laughs> One of the players, speaking of secrets being revealed. Oh, God, yes. God. Uh, so Luke is the character's name. And Luke has had a little girl with him that he's claimed is his niece. I, I think it actually is his niece. And out of character, I've known this secret, but some of the players definitely haven't. One of the players did know in character because as a side conversation when two of the other players were being much louder than the others, <laughs> Luke was confiding in Bruno the secret about his niece. But yeah, we're we're deciding what wards, what spiritual, uh, supernatural creatures we want to ward our manor against, and the suggestion of vampires comes up, <laughs> and Luke, Luke goes, oh well, if we ward against vampires. My niece won't be able to come in. (laughs) Everyone just stops what they're doing. There's there's an NPC in the room who is one of the character's sisters who is literally an assassin that murders Supernatural. There is the fucking billionaire Batman character who is trying to hunt down Supernatural. They're all hunters. Everyone stares at them and go, What? It was so good. Yeah, uh, and it was, I assume, just complete oversight on on Luke's part. A hundred percent. He he did say that, like, because Xena, his niece, did get kidnapped recently, that he was kind of at a drunken stupor at the, at the time. So the player literally just chalked it up to, oh, well, he is kind of drunk. He probably would let that slide. Oh, God. Big mistake to make, though. Can't wait to see how that plays out. 
Well, he did persuade the uh, NPC to be like, all right, so don't kill my niece outright. I will have to, I'll take care of the, her if anything happens to her where she ends up actually killing people, but she hasn't so far. Which she hasn't so far, as far as he's aware. As far as he's aware. She is like seven, I want to say. I think she's much older than that. Oh, really? Huh. I'm trying to remember exactly. Okay. I'd have to talk to the player again. Fair. But yes, for the most part, you guys spent the rest of the week, quote, doing investigative work, whether you're trying to find the IAO base, use your time to prepare for the inevitable encounters. You had a little bit of a romantic scene with Luke later on that week, as well as a parent-teacher conference. Romance is dressing up what happened quite a bit. He seemed to have a little bit of uh, heart in that scene, more than the first time you guys got together. I guess. All right, fair. But for the most part, the more interesting scene was a parent-teacher conference. Yes, as my character does have two little boys. Well, they're like 15 and 17, I think. Yeah. Uh, High school kids that they're doing their best. And the older one's... Uh, stepped up and has good grades and, and seems to be an upstanding kid. The other one's having some difficulties. Other, other way around. The younger one's having some difficulties. No, the older one is having difficulties. Bastian. I need to double check my notes. I literally named them A and B because A came out first. I hate you, but also <laughs> we have we have talked about this many times. Alright, we'll we'll work this out. <laughs> But yes, Bastion, <laughs> B, child B, is not doing so great. All and right. he is the older one. If you say so. Okay. Child B, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's how I keep them straight. As a player and as a player character. Oh my, oh my god. <laughs> Anyways, you had a meeting with Principal Harris, who takes care of the special cases, which apparently Bastion is one. Where she kind of questioned your moral judgment of taking over after their father passed away. Yeah, by the way, I'm not their actual father. I'm their uncle. Which was a nice little... It was a nice way of dropping the bomb on everyone because bombs were being dropped already with lore and backstory. It was weird. Like, it got as much of a reaction as Luke's niece. Yes. (laughs) But, like, also... For a different reason. Yeah. (laughs) And I gotta say this here, and it's always something I'm gonna say. It is a joy watching you be a dad as a as a storyteller. Aw, that's sweet. Yeah, it's it's fun to slip into that role. And in in our other campaign, I'm now a big brother, which that's really cool. But we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, lots of interesting family dynamics. But yes, for the most part, the session ended with you guys just kind of learning more about the world, and oh. and the DM kind of nudging me a little bit to be more involved with the rest of the group by dropping my dead brother in front of me to say, hey, trust your friends more. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. It would help if my friends weren't psychopaths. Well. That kidnapped children like mine. Two of them aren't. The other two are. Yes, and I'm cool with the ones who aren't. So maybe just chill with the ones that aren't psychopaths, but you have to kind of hang out with them. Okay, I guess I... mm. You are kind of a loner in the game. I'm hanging out with Luke plenty. Because you're fucking. Yes. Do you want me to start fucking Bruno too? Sure. All right. (laughs) We'll make it happen. Oh, God. Anyways, let's go to the last but certainly not least one that you definitely want to talk about. I do. 
Mile High Wretches, which is a, another Vampire the Masquerade campaign run by my lovely husband, Matt, and co-host. Uh, it takes place in Denver. We are currently a coterie of four vampires, and we pretty much just sit around and talk and share our feelings and have orgies in clubs. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, we have been tasked by the the prince's friend, I guess. The they, prince. Well, the prince. But really, it's the prince's friend running the show. Uh, Roberta. Uh, to just become, like, vigilante superheroes who answer to nobody e- e- except her. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And uh, go around helping people and keeping the peace and solving the city's problems. Totally not secret police. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> Fantastic simple open-ended premise for a campaign i love it gives us the freedom to do whatever we want and what we want is to sit around and talk about our feelings and have orgies in clubs so i think it's a good time to bring up now that this was the answer to i want to run a x-men style campaign with a mix of umbrella academy oh Okay, yeah, I definitely see that. The major difference between us and Umbrella Academy at the moment is we all actually like each other. Sure. I mean, it was always a risk that you might not like each other. Yeah. Especially with one of your characters, Trent, who is just a ticking time bomb. He's too cute, though. None of you have triggered him terribly yet. We have not. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But for the most part, yes, you guys basically settled in. You met Magnus and... Oh my god, now I'm forgetting. Zeppi. Zeppi, yes. The ghouls that run the place during the daytime to keep you guys safe, more or less. Uh, One is security, and then the other one does inventory and finances. And then on top of that, you basically settled in and took into a game where you spray-painted things on Trent's wall, learned that there's some kind of spectral, spiritual things haunting maybe the place or something. That either represent us or the previous incarnations of us or something it's still unclear yes because there were two other groups of wretches before this which you don't know a whole lot about other than that they have lame names that was created by the gm of the outsiders and the rogues yep so fuck off i'm not the one who called them lame laughed at it i did i'm polite (laughs) and he was right (laughs) i hate you uh anyways anyways you guys then decided you were hungry and wanted to go to your new hunting grounds at Trax in Denver. Trax is a massive warehouse nightclub. Massive. Massive. It's like four four, uh, four warehouses connected with like some outdoor alley space. Roller yeah. rink in one of them, literally. Yep. Like, it's fucking bonkers. Anyways, so you guys basically went there, and that's basically where the session took place. I, planning out this session, I was like, I'm going to make notes, but I'm not going to be able to fucking prepare what the fuck you guys do. And of course I was right, because you didn't do anything I planned. Yeah, we did nothing, which was fantastic. I had such a delightful time. Yeah, I, again, I think it just comes down to players at this point. Um, You guys are incredibly well chemistried together, and... Yeah, it's to the point where I'm, like, trying to get the next session scheduled sooner rather than later. Because, yeah, I have all the notes prepared for in case you do (laughs) anything else. It's nice when that happens. Actually, it does seem like it's a a similar thing in my werewolf campaign. When I plan for my players to do anything, they choose to do nothing at all. And that's great. 
Yeah. And sometimes I worry about those because, like, the hand of God was, like, kind of tempting to come in and be like, hey, go this way. But I was like, eh, I need I need to really keep the hand off here. Like, they, they are clearly enjoying. Like, it took me before any moment where I thought they are repeating the loop of the conversation they are currently discussing. By the time I recognized that that was actually a possibility in the current conversation, you guys would immediately change the scene. Yeah. So you guys had incredible pacing with that. Yeah, there's just, like, I, I don't consider myself to be an, in any way an improvisational actor, but we do have at least one and a half of those, if not more. I don't even know. Just people that are comfortable immediately talking in character and going on at, at length. And just having enough of that gives me something to work with to where I can. So it's, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Compared to a lot of other campaigns where it's just like, everybody's afraid to speak for some reason, so nothing gets said, and then the DM has to interject. Yeah, so as someone that is running four fucking games at the moment, this is one of the easiest to run at the moment. Yeah, uh, if you are in games that don't feel like they're very interesting or engaging, uh, maybe don't jump to blame your DM. Maybe just try to be a lot more vocal as a player and see what happens. You might be surprised. You might inspire others to pick up the slack, and then you just start spiraling, snowballing, snowballing towards something amazing. Spiraling is the opposite. Spiraling is the opposite, which can sometimes be fun, too. But Anyways, but with that, do we want to go into the quick current events, which we only have two of them to cover this week? Yeah, sure. Our first cover story is about the latest Marvel project and their controversy. Uh, again, hearkening back to AI art, as we alluded to earlier, because Secret Invasion's opening intro scene, intro credit, real, whatever, apparently uses AI generation. And that's all we know. <laughs> I think they literally said they used Midjourney. They did use Midjourney? I want to say they did, but the, okay. the, the director has come out and said it was purely created in AI, which I get the... I get what you're trying to say with this opening, but also, no. Ah, it's, it is so difficult to talk about AI in the current climate because, like, the technology doesn't necessarily automatically steal art, which I think is the, the clearest real threat that AI poses in, at this juncture. Maybe there will be more threats down the road, sure, and we are speculating about them and we need to have those conversations. But right now, the most pressing thing is we are literally stealing from artists to make whatever, to, to generate these images. And I doubt that was the case with Secret Invasion. I don't know enough about Midjourneys, how they create their art or whatnot. I think it's just one of those things that if you want to make something that looks like AI art... Like, maybe just do that instead. Like, don't... Like, there are enough people that work in this industry that can probably recreate that with actual programs. You don't have to get it just made through AI and, you know, do it that way. You can have an actual artist create something that looks like it's AI-generated to make a point. Because that is what they want to do at the end of the day, is they want to make a point about... Things that look like they're supposed to be something else entirely, and they're used for manipulation or deception. And I get it. Like, the whole concept of Secret Invasion is supposed to be about manipulation. I get it. Like, I see what you're trying to do. I think you went about it the wrong way. 
See, this is why it's hard to talk about. Uh, I like okay. So if I go into Mid Journey and generate an image, I fully expect that it is using stolen copyrighted art. Whatever. I'm assuming this is not that discussion. I'm assuming that I'm giving Disney enough credit to say that they've dodged that particular bullet because I'm sure there'd be hell to pay and we'd already be hearing about it. Yes. So now we're just looking at okay. So we have the technology and we own the images. So Disney is putting their own images into the technology to create this, like, shifting sands effect that maybe could have been achieved through other means. If that's what they're doing, because we don't know what they're doing exactly. They just say that they are using a AI generation tool to do it. What's the problem with the tool inherently if it's not stealing images? We don't know which tool it is. Again, I think it might be Midjourney, but that's just based off of my use of Midjourney and what I remember from that entire program. But again, it comes down to like, okay, so either they're stealing art or they're not. If they're stealing art, yeah, huge problem. Sound the alarms, figure this out. Bad things. Uh, if they aren't stealing art, what's the problem? That they are not giving this to someone that can do it. Okay, so... They are denying an artist's work, basically. Are we going to go back to 2D animation because computer technology interpolated keyframes to give us 3D animation, which was cheaper and easier to produce? I can see your point. Yes. I I think that mm, it's a very hostile environment to be doing this right now. And I think that's part of the reason. And it's so incredibly hostile right now because there's so many different arguments being made and so many different forms of the technology. Yes. Yeah. It is, it's an absolute shit show. And the fact that all we've heard is Secret Invasion is using AI to just drop that piece of information without any further context. Yeah, this is a nightmare. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Because like you can look at this from... The point of, like, the writer's strike with them not even getting any assurances from companies that AI won't be used going forward, like ChatGPT to write out episodes of television shows. Like, that kind of shit is just... Wow. Anyways. Yeah. But, like, then you have, like, literally people that are using AI to scam people on the phone, and we all know we have those relatives that would probably fucking fall for this shit. Yep. There's a slew of... Deep fakes that are just being thrown about and just how that's going to be a fucking nightmare scenario in the future. And then trying to keep misinformation from being just en masse like spread. Yeah. So it's in the middle of all of this, you could, again, you do put down Marvel uses AI generation in opening credits of Secret Invasion. I could see, I could see where you're coming from. Yes. And, and yeah, like, we need answers to these questions before we can actually say one way or another. Uh, don't let them just get away with not answering those questions, sure. certainly. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, before we even put more than a second thought into that headline, we were too busy talking about the billionaires that fell to the bottom of the ocean. So it's like, is it? are they ever going to talk about the AI generation in the opening? Probably not. Yeah, probably It's not. probably lost. And, like, talking about this right now is literally talking about something that is stale as of recording and certainly even more stale when i actually publish the episode so i don't know what to say Uh, like right now i think we need to be hammering hardest on just the stolen art part of the problem because yeah i think the tool itself i use chat all the time to research shit and you know 
is that great? Not really, considering that it has uh, pulled up court cases that have misinformation in those court cases in the past. But also, I'm doing this for, like, TTRPGs to pull up information for. Right, yeah. I have used it for ideation on little writing side projects for, like, fanfiction. And it's actually kind of terrible at that. Yes. But anyways, yeah. Commercial use is obviously completely different. Yeah. So... I guess we'll close out the episode with some good news, in my opinion, but you know, you can ask the rest of the fan base about this. We have our new Superman and Lois Lane in the DC Expanded Universe, or whatever you want to fucking call it, after they decide to finally axe this DCEU of the current generation of the Snyderverse, if you would call it that, with David Sweat. I feel really bad that that's probably pronounced completely incorrectly, and Rachel Broch... Oh, no. I need your help. I'm not giving you help. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> um, I'm going to stare at this for another ten minutes and hope that I can get another shot at this. Rachel Brosnahan. Brosnahan and... It took us ten minutes to figure it out, but we got it, I anyways, think. Yes, they But are... yes, they are no names, as far as I'm aware. Same, yes. And, you know, from what I've seen pictures of them... You know, he looks like Clark Kent in an office space, which, yeah, that's what we want. It that's... is, yeah, it, it is amazing how many white guys look like Superman. <laughs> it's just incredible. There's it's, an endless supply. It's almost like this is supposed to be someone that relates to a lot of people that are pretty hostile and toxic, which is why there's such a problem around recasting him. I guess, but... There shouldn't be, because there's so many guys to choose from. But why isn't it Henry Cavill? Because he's associated with a very specific tone of that character that... I don't even want to. It's okay. The Flash is already failing in the box office, so we could celebrate that. Yay. Yeah. (laughs) I feel so bad for Supergirl's actress. I, I hope they carry her over. I, I don't know what they're going to carry over. Uh, I mean, we, we were talking about this before we started recording, like, you know, most people are saying, like, most of the stuff in the past couple of years of DCEU has flopped, but, like, I went back to, after a video that was reporting on those, and it considered um, Birds of Prey was one of those movies, and I was like, okay, hold up, that cannot be right. <laughs> and it was not right. It was not right. Uh, that movie made double the amount of the budget, so, I mean, granted... You know, Wikipedia numbers can probably only tell you the budget and probably doesn't talk about advertising. Hmm. But also, this movie came out right before the pandemic. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so we have this fresh take. So in 2025, which is only two years away. Holy shit. That's much closer than I thought. We will see. We'll see what the uh, future of the DC universe was going to look like with these new faces. I'm excited. I think DC will be moving in a better direction from here. It has James Gunn at the helm, and after Guardians 3, I certainly feel much better. Yeah. Yes. If he's not going to continue that franchise, which, you know, I'm happy if they just lay the Guardians to rest. Like a lot of things in Marvel, please lay it to rest. Yeah. They'll be around, and that's fine. Yeah, and if they make appearances, that's fine. Just let's not let's not do that Star-Lord movie, please. Yes. <laughs> Or I'm just done with Chris Pratt. I don't care anymore. No argument here. Yeah, no, that, that's totally fine. He's uh, he he'll be fine. He'll, he'll be, be fine, fine if he never acts again. Yeah, he's just such a bummer. Anyways, yeah. speaking of bummers, let's end this episode. This is so sad.
Because it's so fucking hot. Anyways, my name is Matt. And I'm Wes. And thank you very much for listening this week. We love you very much. And I just realized we had completely separated a whole two feet from each other during the recording of this session somehow. So if the audio is off, I am sorry. Yep, I'm not really sorry. I'm Wes. (laughs) And I'm Matt. And this is our podcast. We love you very much. Thank you for listening. Talk to you very soon. Bye. Bye.